not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pump Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Show, recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the community radio network and podcast on the internet at bzd.org.au, 3cr.org.au and whatever podcasting app you choose to use. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at BZD Tech Show. Today we're going to be speaking to Greensync, a company based here in Melbourne, using software and data analytics to both stabilise and allow higher penetrations of renewable energy onto the grid. They recently launched DEX, short for Decentralised Energy Exchange, a marketplace for exchanging localised energy capacity to meet peak demand. And today we're going to speak to their GM of Strategic Projects, Bruce Thompson. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you. We, we spoke to uh, Kato Carroll and Phil Blythe uh, a year ago, and we'll, you know, we're really excited about what GreenSync was up to. And, and one of the things they mentioned early on was that, you know, they were really building the basis by which they could build a lot of different interesting services over the top. So it'll be interesting to see yeah, how things have mm. developed since then. But before we get to that, can you tell us just a bit about, about yourself and your background? Yeah, look, my background's interesting. I've actually been in these studios about 20 years ago. Right. As well. they look the same. I, I just want same. to clarify, Bruce, they say you always do 3CR twice in your life, once on the way up and once on your way down. Yeah. Look, it's, it's good to have you back again. <laughs> no, I have a, a long connection with 3CR and, and it, I guess it's support for either innovation that BCD is doing or actually also a lot of progressive movements that have had causes or yep. or stories that they needed to get out there and so a, a very big supporter of um, of the studio. And that was in the context of Jabaloki Uranium Mine. It was a proposal up in Kakadu National mm-hmm. Park to develop and expand an existing mining operation for what we contend still is a unsustainable energy uh, industry. Uh, for the last decade, I've worked at a place called the Moreland Energy Foundation, which was formed out of the history of decentralised local governments actually being the owner and operator of local distribution networks hmm. um, up until the 1990s. And, and what formed out of that history was an organisation that, that really was active in how do you make uh, responses to climate change quite practical and and make sense for households and small businesses and, and very much aligned to the work that BZED does about taking some really big concepts, going through logic processes and putting them into products, services and programs that, that make a lot, of, a lot of sense. Yes, that's interesting. So we'll get on to how you got involved with GreenSync then, because obviously it's a very technologically based company, which would, uh, you know, get into their own ivory tower and think, oh, we've worked out how this uh, distributed energy is going to work. So did you see your role as coming in and being that bit of a conduit to the community and, and bringing that kind of technology into practical use? Yeah, look, at, look it's, a, it's a couple of those things. It's very much, um, Phil asked me to join to to bring some of that experience. Uh, I think one of the most exciting things for me, though, at the moment, having worked in perhaps two decades around public policy around energy and for the last decade really focused around climate change, is that there's never been a more anxious time around the impacts of climate change. Mm. But in terms of the renewable energy sector, and specifically here in Australia, while it's extraordinarily turbulent politically, there has never been a more exciting time to actually be involved in the renewable energy because the change that 
organisations have either advocated for or piloted in a series of programs over the last decade or decades if we take into account friends like the Alternative Technology Association, various yep. other players that have been working in this area for a long time, is now that at this very moment the industry is at a mainstream level is, is transforming really rapidly. So it's a thing that I think in my you know, public presentations over the last five to ten years have always said this is the, the type of thing that we would like to see in the future. Well, that, that future is very much here and... Um, I'm really excited to be a part of GreenSync that's bringing together at a really exciting moment a really strong combination of technology, a really strong understanding of the broader industry um, and what, what needs to be in the middle to actually unlock the, the value for all of the, all of the participants in that industry and harnessing some, some pretty exciting concepts around technology. We, we mm. got excited for a long time about renewable energy as in solar panels and batteries being a great thing, but if you combine that with software and cloud enabled uh, service platforms, you, you can do some pretty amazing stuff. All those stuff. buzzwords. Yeah. 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 Well, well <clears throat> you know, following on from that theme there, we've spoken to, to Phil, as we mentioned before, a bit about GreenSync, but can you give us a little bit of an idea, Bruce, on this, this DEX platform and what is it and its formation, its framework, mm. if you like? Yeah. Well, so if, if we go back to first principles, we, we, we talk a lot about energy and energy efficiency and renewable energy in terms of actually how the system operates and we've seen that quite starkly over the ne- of the last 6 months is that it's actually really about power instantaneous in a moment in time and certainly in a, in a location across this very vast national electricity market that we have is that to actually balance the system, you need to have enough supply to match the demand in real time. Yeah, so with yeah. energy, you're talking about total volume and power, you're just saying the amount you need at this that's, moment. That's right. So okay. when we're talking about carbon, we're really caring about the kilowatt hours, the energy component and the carbon intensity of that volume of energy. But when we're talking about keeping the lights on, we're talking about instantaneous power and that balance. And that's where the the action, that's where the heat is in the current debate following the South Australian blackout. There's obviously a lot of finger-pointing to your listeners who would, um, who'd understand that there's actually become a deeper problem, but the, but the issue that we're having is is around that. And so in a nutshell, what GreenSync is, is bringing to that is being able to turn things on and off to be able to contribute to that overall equation about supply and demand in, in, a, in a very crude way. The that demand response is about orchestrating or being able to coordinate um, the supply and demand. If you can do that well, you can fundamentally drive more renewables into the system. Renewables are inherently variable. It's not sunny when it's not sunny and it's not windy when it's not windy. Battery technology and a series of other storage technology, we're talking about pumped hydro, all of those things are really important. But to actually manage our peak in terms of our consumption as well as inherently our variability and increasing variability, which I think is a good thing in the renewable mix, we need to be able to get this coordination layer into that. That's what GreenSync and other technologies in this space are really on about. And the DEX platform and the concept of marketplaces and the concept of a common API we can talk about in detail, but it's really trying to bring together a level of coordination and industry collaboration to uh, to be able to allow that to un- unlock its full potential. Okay, so can you go into a bit more detail? I mean, who was the buyer? Who was the seller of the energy at any particular moment, uh, or the power, I should say? And who decides when the transaction occurred? I mean, occurs like and at what price? I mean, obviously, you know, how do various stakeholders engage with this platform? We take the old system that everyone knows has been top down. We generate the power in a in a big power station. We deal with the variability in the peaks by turning on a gas peaking plant or or something else like that. And it's we've really then send it down the pipe down to the um, the end consumer. 
Along the way, we've had the network constraints in certain areas of the network have a physical capacity about what they can and can't put through the pipe. We've now, in we're fundamentally changing the architecture in the middle around the grid still remains. We've got a series of infrastructure that, that has you know, is, is actually useful, and we can argue about the cost models and the yeah. ownerships and those types of things, but the physical connectedness of that, the internet of of energy exists. We've, we have yeah. a, a fundamental um, communication line. As we're changing, and clearly, the, you know, we're literally here within five days of uh, Hazelwood closing as we're taking over those big generation out of the loop. We're, in, we're putting in a variability into the energy wholesale market supply, the variability in the cost of that at any point in time to, to provide that. But equally, as we're getting a whole bunch of people behind the meter who have got excess supply of solar or have extra capacity of the, of the batteries, we've got a potential resource and a potential value that a lot of the people who've made that investment feel like they should be perhaps getting a bit more, mm-hmm. um, but don't actually have a clear way of doing that. So the exchange is actually that there are a series of players in a marketplace that could get value from an exchange and a common uh, a common protocol to be able to exchange that. The retailers who, who are gen tailors who are hedging their generation with their uh, contracts to a series of customers have a value by uh, hedging or uh, shielding themselves against extreme spot market prices by being able to coordinate a virtual power plant fleet of, of assets. The networks have a benefit, uh, just like the project we're doing in Mornington Peninsula, to provide and support network reliability by being able to call on somebody's battery during a heat wave to ensure that the, the network remains stable during that period. And fundamentally, the provider of that benefit is a household with a battery. They're a, uh, a commercial or industrial um, thing with a HVAC unit or something that they can actually turn off to provide that network support at any period of time. So all of the the idea of the exchange is that there is actually a benefit for all of the players. You need to create a, a marketplace to be able to transact that benefit and you need a series. Each of those has a value to get, but each of them has certain requirements. So a network says, look, it's all very good. I'm from an engineering headspace. I want to be what they say is firm. I, n- I need to know that it's actually going to happen when I when I press a button. So they yeah. need they need reliability. Otherwise, they need to go and build something else to to be in its place. The retailer wants to get the. Uh, it's very focused on the price, and they they want to say, well, I'll, I'd like to get the cheapest thing I can. Um, and obviously, the household or consumer is actually really interested in saying, well, if there's all this other value, can I get something better than, than a flat feed-in tariff? Or, so so or it's like. still up in the air exactly who is going to engage directly with the exchange. So an, an owner of a battery may tap into it via their retailer or, or may engage directly in the wholesale market or with a network, I mean, all of those things are possible? All, all those things are possible. And it's not its not to say it's not decided. I'm not being vague. I'm probably trying to explain that there's a series of market benefits that a common protocol could allow for. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the very essence that we have multiple markets. We have the benefit when we talk about this wholesale spot price. Everyone who 
goes home at night has a contract with a retailer. If you were having a uh, battery that had a reposit box who's a, a partner in the project, uh, you can, if you've got their one of their partner retailers, actually provide support to that retailer in the wholesale market. Um, if you're a household that would participate in our Mornington Peninsula project, we're able to provide an incentive to go and buy a battery because if we're able to call on that battery during extreme heat waves uh, for about four hours, there's a clear value in avoiding a network upgrade. So each of these different value streams uh, are contextual where you live. One of the things that we're keen to talk about is to say, well, how do you future-proof people who are going and buying, investing in in batteries and those types of things to be able to say, well, if, if as a minimum you can have a level of minimum functionality for your battery or your household to be able to be facing the grid to provide support, mm-hmm. then as these markets develop and as there's a requirement that comes up in a specific network area or a retailer offers you a new product, product you're able to to be able to tap in and that's at the essence of of this open protocol around decks that we're we're focused on right and, and so yeah bruce can can we just pull back a little bit how did you i'm mm. oh, just curious to know how this interacts with aemo's current system and how your platform interacts with their platform is it part of their platform is it separate to their platform and, and a bit about how that yeah, look at look it's it's foreseen as as complementary within the so within, you're regulated by them well, well, yeah. well yeah, within the DEX project, we've got industry collaborators. So we have networks and retailers. And certainly since the launch had a massive increase in, in interest from a whole series of technology providers and, uh, and other, other networks across Australia. What's really important in the project is we've got a reference group. And that involves AEMO, AMC, the, the, uh, the rule maker in the industry. It involves the Energy um, Consumers Australia, who represent, obviously, and advocate um, household rights in in these uh, decisions. We've also got state and, and uh, Victorian and ACT governments as, as participants. So, look, it, it's fair to say that as these things evolve, this is a new space. We're very excited about the potential for technology to unlock a series of value, but as different markets form, they rightly will have a series of different market participants, the market operators, and different rules and regulations for participants. Currently, the rules um, and consumer protections apply. So we're not creating a a virtual reality space where this is a whole (laughs) new frontier. These are real people, real houses, real common law applies. And so customer protections are paramount. And the the fundamental is about getting increased um, customer value or prosumer value from participating uh, in that thing. The networks who are participating are still bound by requirements under the regulation um, as it, and, and same for retailers have a series of obligations around those things. So those network, those energy regulation rules apply. What we are talking about though is, is fundamentally the concepts of decentralised marketplaces. So AEMO is dealing with overall the national market at the large scale supply and it's also has it has some requirements to deliver in real time network security. So it's called upon and, and in the situations we've seen over the last series of months it's it's required to to take action to support network security. What we're talking about, and the, I guess the illustrative example is in perhaps Mornington Peninsula where the network constraint has been Forecast by the by the network operator United Energy, who's a who's a who's a, an active partner in, in this project. They've said I, in the next five years, if we were to do nothing, there's a risk that the supply is threatened um, in the peninsula. Now they they say we do a good job about maintaining reliability in 
we used to go and rebuild that power line. In this case, under the regulatory investment test, they've said we accept there's a non-network solution. Basically, that means that we can orchestrate a series of things to be able to turn off during that heat wave to provide a bit of headroom in that existing asset. And, and is the intention for retailers and the networks themselves to analyse opportunities throughout the grid in the future using this open protocol. Well, that's right. And so the, that mornings in situation creates a market. So GreenSync, we, we have a contract with United Energy to provide that support. What we're really keen to do is, in a formative market, is open that up to a whole range of suppliers of batteries, uh, technology and various things to be provide benefit for households and businesses year-round. But for during that, that extreme uh, heatwave moment, to be able to call on them for network support. Now, that's the bit we're interested in. That's the bit that our client's interested in. Um, the year-round benefit is for a whole series of other market participants, and that's, I guess, illustrative of how, um, in the short term, um, a series of practical markets can form that start to unlock benefit for a series of other industry players as well as participants in, the, in that community. Great. We are, we're on the Beyond Zero show, and we're speaking to Bruce Thompson from GreenSync, who's telling us about the, the Decentralised Energy Exchange, or DEX, and... Uh, we're getting in the weeds here, I think. I mean, we're <laughs> definitely doing that. And, and, and I had a question about, you know, obviously you're talking about an open protocol, but there's always a, a lot of concerns whenever technology companies come into a, a particular market that they will own the data and, and, and take it for themselves and basically create a situation where they become the single entry point. What is GreenSync doing to ensure that I own the data of, of my usage, that, that, that I can get the maximum benefit of that and the other potential organisations that I want to partner with and would have access? Well, look, it's a good question. And, and, you know, being around energy efficiency in those programs for a long time, there's been a, you know, it, the, the old, if you if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, is is very true. And, and certainly real-time data, as we said, this is about instantaneous circumstances. So the real-time data is, is quite important. It's a good to understand the history but the the risk. So, firstly and foremostly, there is no issue around privacy. I think that that's quite a clear uh, in a modern world. It's quite a clear issue about saying that the that there is rights and uh, responsibilities around around data management. The the exchange is really about having a protocol and having a platform or a series of platforms that can abide by a common protocol that allow a transaction to take place. So, just like a marketplace. Now, within that, buyers and sellers may or may not choose to provide information to to their counterparty. Um, And that that goes through a process of negotiation. That transaction may be through a reverse auction, like we're seeing for some of the wind projects. Mm -hmm. It may be a tender in in its infancy, through to in uh, five or ten years' time when we have a much higher penetration of battery storage across across the grid, where we're moving to more a like a spot market, um, a very a very quick transaction, and that becomes a bidding, bidding and settlement processes that you start to see. That's in the current national electricity market. There's a bidding and process that can go down to a sort of five minute block. I mean, um, there's been <clears> talk <throat> of actually re- reforming the rules to allow right. that just recently. Yeah, but just like in in a series of other financial markets, there is there's certainly requirements for disclosure, and there will certainly be on either sides of the market. Uh, knowledge may may be power. Um, does the exchange, you know, absorb and and then give out data to a whole bunch of people? No, certainly not. That's not the, not the intention of it. No worries. Well, I mean, you've spoken about the, the potential of this, and you're saying it is more of a 
perhaps initially more of a network support tool, but may come into the, the spot market and the wholesale market in in few years when when, when batteries are um, are more common across the grid. I want to ask specifically about South Australia, the fact that. You know, obviously, it's had a lot of issues with brownouts and so forth, the load shedding, but it also has all of this solar on roofs. It's got a higher penetration than almost anywhere in the world. What kind of business models do you see emerging that could potentially make use of the DEX platform to, you know, incentivize people to get uh, batteries into their homes and and really solve the problem that we've that everyone's been discussing in in a way that no one ever thought possible? And can I just add on top of that, Anthony, how you might um, factor in, you know, the current price if you put a new system on your roof compared to if you've already got those existing 44 cent feed-in tariffs. That is no doubt going to interplay with, you know, the value that you might be able to get from a system like yours. Look, uh, yeah, there's um, there's a lot in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got a twofold thing. We've got a really rapid increase in solar. That's fantastic. That's really um, increased the that penetration, that demonstration that people do want to participate and get a behind-the-meter benefit from that. One of the catches, and, and we're really careful to avoid saying there's a problem with those things. Where we're at at the moment, we shouldn't be having a debate about the fundamentals of energy policy are, have always been about reliability it's a, as an essential service and affordability. And we really strongly think that those those tenants are remain paramount but on top of that they have to be sustainable and so those three things shouldn't be in tension at all we shouldn't be having a fight about whether it needs to be more reliable or more we just say it's a complex problem let's let's fix it for both and that concept of of the decks and the industry collaboration about that is being able to have a a mature conversation about that need to to do all three things at once so we take that through to the household's Think putting solar on your roof is fantastic. It does create some complexities for the grid when mm. you're not home and everyone else in your street's not home. That's okay because it's something we can fix as well. So we can fix that really simply by putting a battery in front of it. And then you just put a surge tank, you remove and scrub up all of the potential real-time frequency issues that that might be creating. And you also look to saying for the benefit of the household, actually one of the things about as soon as you get in front of the meter and and we've had talks about the values of feed-in tariffs and the benefits that they have in terms of driving the industry, but if you take that and match it to the price of that energy right at that very time in the national electricity market, the big traders say, actually, I didn't want to buy it at that time. It It wasn't worth anything. Now, the idea of putting it in a battery is really good because you can then sell it when someone says it is worth more to it. If you want to trade your energy, that that is part of the, the give and take. Now, the two things that really inform how much value it's worth is where you are and when, when in the day that that's happening. And increasingly, I'd, I'd contend over... The coming years, when in the year as well, as we right. as we shift to renewables that are fundamentally more driven by by weather, we'll have an additional seasonal, I think, driver in in the value of energy. But let's not go too far into the future and just come back to the concept of of the time and place. So back to where we were saying in South Australia, the value of your battery and the ability to participate at certain times of the day or certain times of the year during those events was was remarkably more than it is in other places. What we've got is this obstacle, though, for people to participate. Are they making the upfront capital investment in their battery? So, if people are doing that 
which is a great thing to do. Trying to get more value for that where it's appropriate is, is great. To actually get the, the, the reality is that those batteries for that transaction are going to be more valuable to a network in certain parts of their, of their network or they're going to be potentially value, more valuable in different parts of the network. And, 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 that, and that's what and, we're yeah, seeing. Yeah, here. and it can, the, bat- the battery can be segmented too, right? You could say, oh, well, I'm going to do a, a bit of my battery is going to service the network operator and some of it's going to service in the, in the wholesale market. That's entirely possible. That's right, and and it's the the wonder of that is is a bit of software, and there's some really great software providers like Reposit, uh, like Jelly, who's uh, just landed here from San Francisco, a series of other uh, vendors, Sunverge, the list goes on, who are actually saying, well, how do we optimize all of these various things for the um, for the owner of that asset? Now, the the first thing to do is just basically to use less from the grid, and you can do that by understanding and coordinating your energy consumption and your and your generation storage, and then with your surplus, you will. Uh, or you'll be able to basically look at a series of different value streams. And that might simply be charging your battery up overnight to get an off-peak tariff, or it might be be able to say, look, I'll always have 20% of my battery there on standby because I know that when I'm called on by a network, I'll receive a, a fairly substantial payment for having that capacity there. Bruce, we've only sort of got a couple of minutes left, uh, mm. but can I sort of just contrast your the product of this DEX versus what AGL are offering, for example, their virtual power plan? It sounds similar. Are you trying to create something that everyone else could use as a virtual power plan? Yeah, yeah. are they more of a uh, bespoke solution? Just, just for, for AGL? Just for yeah. AGL. And what, what's the relationship? Yeah, yeah, look, at that's a really good way of describing it. If people are familiar, AGL has a virtual power plant with a, with a company called Sunverge. They and other retailers also have virtual power plants, and, and we ourselves offer a software product for much larger CNI customers. So in the in the order of 10 to hundreds of, of megawatts that are able to participate and provide a benefit to the retailers. And when we talked about this hedging, it's basically to say, look, um, the price is going up. We've got to buy and sell. What we can do is actually re- reduce the amount we need to buy at a certain um, market price by being able to curtail load across a portfolio. Now, because of the way that we're regulating, the retailers can't necessarily go and provide network support. Uh, and the networks can't actually necessarily go and say, hey, we want to work with AGL. They're required, and the rig fencing guidelines have, yep. have separated those roles. So there is a series of current um, uh, virtual power plants that are being developed for retail and wholesale market benefit. Um, there are a series of uh, fleet management-like repositories that provide a really an optimization for the end user and then some connection to retail benefit. Okay. And there's existing platforms uh, that we provide that are for networks to provide direct curtailment for a series of large industrial loads to be in the network. The DEX, the idea of the DEX is able to sit in the middle of that and allow each of those platforms, each of those virtual power plants, to be able to transact across what is and should be a regulated space to ensure that you've got good uh, a good market context. So what that literally means is if I'm an AGL um, household and I buy a Sunverge battery in, um, in let's say, in uh, Brisbane. Well, we say suburban Adelaide because my friend just got one delivered today. So okay, let's, well, let's, say let's say suburban Adelaide. <laughs> what they're able to do is get benefit from their retailer being AGL yep. um, and to be able to go through and optimise their energy use to be able to make that battery available for wholesale market participation that AGL may participate in. Now, if that if your friend had a, a relative who lived in Mornington Peninsula and AGL were able to sell them the same battery within with the same software 
provided by Sunvision that has the same cloud enabled. AGL is able to orchestrate that for a virtual PowerPoint benefit, but they're also through the DEX able to connect and provide that customer with a network benefit from United Energy um, to provide network support. So you're able to start even at to- that distance. Well, the, this in the if, yeah, the lo- yeah, locally, locally, yeah. yeah, for their location. So that's where we start to get this concept of being, uh, you know, what we're sort of saying is Dex ready is that that functionality to do that. It's not that much further for all of these technology providers to come around a common protocol about some basic functions of those assets. And if you can do that and you can collaborate on that protocol. What it allows is a whole series of different vendors to be able to transact across, uh, you know, across some what have to this day been, uh, you know, separation of, of different roles. Thing interesting. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. We've uh, we've loved talking to you. This is, we've been speaking to uh, Bruce Thompson from GreenSync, who we now it's officially just a, a switching company. You just turn on and off switches. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a little more sophisticated than that, I think. But yeah. I mean, I guess it's like Coke, mate, sugary water. You guys switch things. Um, so, be great to speak to you and. Uh, and it is a really exciting uh, innovation and, uh, you know, you may just catapult this country into to the 21st century. Who knows? Well, look forward to keeping you updated. Fantastic. Cheers. All right. Thanks for joining us again, Bruce. Uh, you've been listening to the Beyond Zero show brought to you by the Climate Solutions Think Tank Beyond Zero Emissions. To listen to any of our shows and, and other stuff, uh, visit us at bze.org.au. You can also find us on Twitter at Show. My name is Anthony Daniel. I'm Matt Grantham. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. time. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.